Hi everyone, it's Sean Matthews. Welcome to Thoughts by Sean, a podcast about uh, interesting people that you, we meet and the information that we like to share. So today I've got uh, a gentleman um, whom I've um, uh, known for a, a little while, uh, John Chandler. He's the Head of Procurement and Special Projects for Guardian Childcare and Education and uh, he's going to have a chat to me today. So welcome, John. Hey, Sean. Good to see you. Yes. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about your background and your current role. I'm, I'm always interested in finding out where people have come from, where they're, they're going to, sort of. It's been an interesting journey. Yeah. I'm not um, naturally from this part of the world. I'm from yeah. the east end of London. Yeah. That's where I grew up. It was a pretty rough place. Um, I did meet some Australians in the, uh, the early days and they said it was great back at home and I couldn't really quite see the same thing being the case where I was living. So I thought, well, let's get on a plane and go and have a look. Mm. And I really never looked back. So at the young age of 19, came to Australia and I got the most incredible thing happened to me. I became a geologist assistant in Arnhem Land. Oh, really? So no one was really thinking that was gonna be part of the plan, um, but it was. I had a great time, saw lots of wonderful things, met some great people. And so the long-term plan was always to come back. But there was a bit of a, I guess an interim period before that could happen because yeah. you can't just come and immigrate to any country as we all know, yeah. um, even back in those years. So I decided to do a degree in geology in the UK and you know your options are a bit limited in the UK, <laughs> you get a geology degree. Yeah. So I hated it there anyway. Um, so I ended up finishing that degree in, in a university in America, mm. which I also didn't like too much. So it's always compounding the fact I wanted to come back to Australia. Mm. Um, so as part of that plan, I worked for an oil services company for five years and it took me pretty much everywhere. Mm. And the last job I did was in New Zealand, which is you know, pretty much a stone's throw away from Australia anyway. Mm. Mm. And most of the stuff at that point was in Australia because I kept coming back in as a tourist. And then to cut long story short, um, I decided at the age of 28 to settle in Sydney and I thought that'd be a lot of fun. And within the first week of being here, I met my future wife, didn't know at the time, the AGSM. <laughs> it, was, it was all meant to align. Somehow it all kind of works out great. We're still together, which is the most amazing oh, thing. <laughs> amazing. Um, um, I did the MBA. I ended up getting into logistics and business development. And I suppose that was the first time that procurement started to be an area of interest. Mm because the way that procurement worked was I was the business development manager trying to win tenders. Mm. So you started to understand for the first time what the most important things were in the area of procurement, and that yeah. is to fully understand what tender documents are barking on about, and even more important than that, to understand the behavior of the people and, and try and understand the people that put these documents together because mm. ultimately if you can't garner their trust mm. you're not going to win anything um, mm. really so that's the first fundamental lesson I learned in yeah. the area of procurement um, so we did some great projects at that particular company one was winning the Woolworths work which yeah. was like a, hundreds of millions of dollars transportation of pallets of goods up and down the countryside. It's not always, and not always the easy thing with Woolworths. But not an um, easy thing, and no, that's what I mean. It's um, that the type of people that they were employing there hasn't really changed over the years. Mm. I guess they've got a little bit smarter, but they're still relatively ruthless individuals. And yeah. the most important thing is to understand that and understand whatever you promise you, you must deliver on. Yeah, yeah. And for the price quoted. 
and there's a lot more in that than just saying those few little kind of bullet points I've just said there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the whole package with a company like that. You're, you're, you're fully in and a little bit more in order to win that work. And then when you've won it, you're completely invested in the process yeah. of, of going out to their head office pretty much as if it's your own head office. Yeah. So it's an interesting process. Another great learning experience for me was winning the Exxon work in Bangkok, yeah. um, which is a fuel oil contract. Once again, a completely different culture to say, for example, Woolworths, where you're dealing with locals there. Mm. Um, very different culturally, so it's a fabulous experience to understand how that type of procurement works from being on the other side of the fence. And then after that, um, after five years for that logistics company, I was with a company called Hub Consulting, which I owned. It was a one-man band. We got up to about 15 people after a number of years. And that focused, first of all, on private equity, due diligence, but it's all a procurement one way or another. And yeah. it's all about um, relationships. The better you can talk to someone, the more information you garner from them. And that ultimately even did become partly in the procurement area as well, where clients would be thinking about, you know, this is what my baseline is. How do I work out what my cost of service? Yeah. Who on earth should we go and see in the competitive landscape of the different companies and suppliers that might be able to assist us? And then understanding how to put the documents together in a way that they could bring innovations and do things slightly yeah. differently. Because as we all know, you know, the in-house solution quite often is not the best solution. No. Um, companies like Wink and, and other firms such as yours know that. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why you're much better at doing what you do. Yeah. And other suppliers are better at what they do, whatever the sector, yeah. uh, than, than an in-house solution. Yeah. So that was a, a good learning experience. I then, after many years uh, working or heading up Hub Consulting, took a four-year holiday. It's probably the best bit, really. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and, um, yeah, for the last 18 months, I've headed up procurement for, for Guardian. Oh, excellent. And, um, and what... Yeah, what drove you to the position here? Was it just um, a gradual thing that you, you saw an opportunity to come here? or was it... uh, to, to be really honest, it was uh, a friend of mine was a senior person here. In fact, mm. he was the most senior person here. Mm. And he, he convinced me to come back from an extended period of holiday. He said, mm. get back in the saddle, John. I need someone of your capabilities in order to make this business much more scalable than mm. it is. So a little bit about Guardian, mm. which I think is an important yeah, to get the context. Sure. It started off as four, four centres, family-run business. Mm. And then in order to grow, what that friend of mine needed to do was start to talk to suppliers, essentially. Um, so it's all procurement in the, in the strangest of ways. So that, those, in that particular instance, he needed a partner, and that was a private equity firm. Yeah. And as private equity works, it gets into a fund and ultimately that fund will let you go for normally more money because they've done a lot of great value-added work in the process. Mm. And so Guardian's gone through a number of tranches of private equity and it's currently now by the Partners Group. Mm. I would say the Partners Group is a tier one private equity firm. Um, the others were also pretty much tier one as well, but this one's definitely got, I would say, more in the game than maybe some of the others had yeah. in terms of what it's trying to do to the business. Mm. So it's gone from a family-owned business to really a large corporate. Yeah. My role in that process was to make business a scalable business. Mm. 
and so that's not something that can be done really uh, quickly. Yeah, and you, I guess with all, all, all of that, you've got change management involved in the whole process. Yeah. And procurement's one part of it, um, and in getting the contracts and getting scale, you get scale, but then you've got to make sure that people are doing the right things, and 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 there's a change management process and how that works and operates. Even the most simplest things you can't underestimate. So, for example, we've had some printers in here for 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 a while, and when we went to tender and put some new printers in, and of course, the difficulties with some of the centres that change was quite extraordinary. Mm. Um, and despite the fact that you would have communicated the process, if you go into the centre manager's update, which is a document that gets published regularly, there'd be emails sent about it. Of course, you know, with so many centres, there's 120, mm. uh, and so many people doing so many different things at any point in time, including vacations, you know, everyone yeah. has their holidays as well. It could well be that either they didn't read it they read it and it didn't sink in. They was on holiday, they were sick that day, and then all of a sudden a truck comes up with a printer and they're told to go away because, you know, we've got to look after more important things, and that's quite true, actually, yeah. it's the children. And then, of course, 45 minutes later, the tech will show up and there's no printer there. And, you know, things of that nature go on yeah. and then emails get flown around and everything else. And it's an interesting contract, that particular one, because we couldn't get rid of all those printers. Mm. The fleet was considered the pool of printers. Mm. So if we had one left on the 22nd of September, it was going to cost us about 27,000 bucks. So that was a, a very important project management piece, because the last thing you want to do is to get a rental fee from the new one, yeah. and then still have to pay that as well, yeah. because that kind of wasn't in the budget. Yeah. So all of this yeah. stuff, it's really important, the lesson I learned with so many people, three and a half thousand of them, mm. um, communication is everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, is a key thing across any business, I think, and it's just getting people on that journey as well and, and making sure they understand the pro- why you're doing things. I think, I think sometimes you can put contracts in place, but if you don't understand the why, all helps work. I was talking to a, a gentleman, uh, his name's Glenn Johnson, he was the uh, head of procurement for um, and sustainability for New South Wales Transport, and he said procurement is, in a career itself, undertakes many things. You have to be part lawyer, part accountant, mm. part strategist, part um, change management, part project manager. Mm. It takes on a whole... When you look at that role, it's actually, if you want to uh, explore what it's like to do uh, and spread your experience, that's that's a sort of area that uh, people need to get their teeth into if they want to follow that as a career, I, I would suggest. I think, I think that's a good point. I think um, what I didn't even realise when I came here after being a management consultant for a long period of time, and normally in a role like that, you're quite adaptable to doing various different mm. things. I've used every bit of that in this particular role. Mm. Um, and probably the most important bit is also the most important bit when it comes to procurement in general, um, and that is the relationship you have with your suppliers. Mm. Because if you've got a great relationship, even at the tender stage, um, you, can, you can kind of do things with that particular organisation because there's evaluation criteria in the whole process. Yeah. You know, there's the conditions of tender, there's the pricing on which the commercial framework is based, so the draft contract, which obviously can change around a bit. Yeah. At least everyone knows what the playing field is. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of questions, which hopefully are the right questions. And mm. you found that out by 
trying to develop relationships with the key players in the particular area mm. of that sector that you might be wanting to talk to mm. um, prior. Mm. And the evaluation criteria never has prices 100%. It's it's up there probably as the highest percentage, but there's many other things that range from account management to just the feeling really that you've got about being able to work with the people. And oh, the level of communication, I guess, and, um, the, and, and the responsiveness and the trust yeah. comes to play, I'd say, mm. uh, in that sort of space. Because I know from a supplier's point of view, I think... Um, we try and get away from the transactional piece mm. and more into the solution piece and partnership uh, relationship. I think that's a pretty important thing. Uh, I see a lot of companies that will come up, just give us your best price, but to to give any sort of a price, you can, anybody can do that and commoditize themselves, but when it comes down to creating value, what is the value I'm trying to bring to your organization yeah. versus I can give you a price, anybody can give you a price, and it could be the last ever, and I'll beat that criteria. But if you've got a wider criteria that says, what is, what are the value, what are the things they're bringing to the table, and they're continuously questioning, challenging us internally, because that makes you better, makes everybody better when people get challenged. And challenged in a good way, I guess, um, you know, from your perspective, you challenge um, the supplier to, to come up with innovation and, and drive at different efficiencies that make your life easier, working easier with your um, centres. So it's, it, it's just equally important to have that partnership, I feel. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, you're only as good as... Well, let me, let me put it this way. What my role as a procurement guy is, is to make sure that the job that everyone does, they do to the maximum potential. And mm. at the point end of this business, that is the educators being able to do pretty much the minimum amount of activity that isn't around helping the kids learn things, looking after their safety, making them laugh, yeah. doing all of these things, helping them grow mm. literally as human beings. Mm. And anything else that they're doing is really not necessary. Like mm. Why on earth would they be looking at an invoice and writing GL codes on it um, and adding that up manually? And then later on in the week, forgetting about that thing because it's sitting on their desk. And then an accounts payable person phoning them up saying, where's that thing that you normally send me once every week or every month? Mm. Um, and it, these type of things. So yeah. you get partners such as, you know, Wink, mm. where you get a consolidated invoice at the end of the, the month yeah. for all the centres. And then you've got a beautiful spreadsheet that sits under that. Yeah. And it's got all the GL codes in it and it's already been added up. And, you know, with the right accounts payable automated automisation these days as well it takes away the necessity yeah. to have that phone call that the accounts payable person had in the first place yeah. centre manager just looks on her screen at the hierarchy level that yeah. she or he needs to yeah. there might be 10 invoices a week there yeah. yep except all all the geo coding's done there's no you know more requirement than that yeah. and because it's not a manual process anymore so this is something that we're doing mm. um you know, it's definitely the right ABM, it's definitely the right company, mm. it's definitely not a fraudulent invoice because the invoicing, sorry, the, the banking account details are correct. Yeah. It's not a duplicate. Yeah. All of that goes away. So the cost to serve goes from, you know, $33 an invoice yeah. down to something like 18 
why hasn't everyone got an AP digitization solution? Because yeah. once you've got that, you then move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, it's taking away, I always think, what is your core business? The core business is to look after and help grow and develop these young children mm. to, to enter into school life with a head start in life. You know, the days of childcare just being a child mining centre versus an educational uh, piece now yeah. that it is developed into gives our kids a good head start. Why would you want them looking at invoices or doing stuff that's yeah. non, non-focused on that quality uh, of, of uh, education and care that you're giving to those um, young, young minds? So for me, it's, it's always been about what do we eliminate mm. that stops anything that they're doing that's non-focused on the quality of care that they're providing? Well, that's a very difficult question to answer, but I give it my best bet because it is across a number of different elements and they're all different and what I'm trying to say here is in order to have someone looking at our kids is a fundamental thing it's um, what is the most important thing that we do as human beings we have kids yeah well not everyone would say that but yep. it ultimately has to be the answer yeah so it, 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 if that's the case um, why is it that we're having people looking after those children that don't get paid any money, where they get paid almost less, dollar less than the lowest level one award rate cleaner. Mm. So we did an experiment a couple of years ago. We put um, cleaners into, that were guardian employees Mm. into the centres, in some of them, as a pilot study, and it caused a real cultural rift because what that meant was the cleaners were getting paid more money than the educators. So we've just got to ask ourselves as a nation, in particular given today's headline news Mm. where education is in decline in Australia Mm. and someone who's 15 years of age in China, three and a half years more advanced in mathematics than an Australian child. And we're not talking about one or two in the sample size here. Yeah. It was 780 different uh, institutions mm. across the country was looked at. It's like tens of thousands of kids. And really what that means is the government needs to subsidise, firstly, from a structural perspective, yeah. the educators' wages. Because in this industry... The only way you're going to get a better customer experience is to have a lower churn rate. Mm. So the industry average churn rate is ridiculous, particularly at this time of year, because Mm. another job would come along, um, which isn't with early learners, it's with sort of the the, the next one, if you like, older children. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the only really way there is to is to somehow or other stop the bleeding of that for the whole industry, and what that would obviously do is improve the care of the children, mm. learning of the children. It would improve the experience of the educators, and obviously, you know, if they're in the centre longer, they understand how it works better. Yeah. Uh, there's a massive amount of cost on recruitment, yeah. so we've got some great recruitment suppliers. They love us. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm um, sure they do. Yeah, so it's um, it, it's a it's that is probably the first challenge when it comes to um, you know, quality of of the operations, 
Um, the next one is supply and demand, um, where because the fact that there has been an overbuilding of childcare facilities, mm. the occupancy rates nationally aren't as high as they used to be. Mm. So once again, if you had educators that were more highly paid, more people would want to come into putting their children there because they'd all be having better customer experiences than they currently have. Mm. So that's that's another factor associated with it. And, and the final thing is relationship with suppliers. Um, and the better your relationships are, as we said earlier on, just to bring it full circle, the less that the people at the coalface need to worry about phoning up maybe a food distributor mm. or, 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 you know, Coles hasn't got that particular nappy, mm. let's let's go and, and buy it from Woolworths or any of these things. If you've got all of that ecosystem in place already, yeah. then, you know, with proper KPIs and the right suppliers, it should be quite seamless. I mean, it's a classic case of what Wink does. Mm. What Wink does is different to what other people do. A lot mm. of other people will just drop the chemicals off or whatever it might be. That sounds dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> They're non-hazardous chemicals. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, just at the reception area, yeah. whereas Wink puts it into the storeroom. So mm. every little thing mm. is a little bit of a benefit mm. when it comes to looking after the kids. Mm. And, and, and so what's... Yeah, it, your time here so far, what's been your greatest achievement or th something that you're quite proud that you've uh, done since you've uh, been here? Because I know you've been involved at the very outset from the start and the growth of the, the organisation and it's always interesting to know, you know, what, what are people proud of? What are they proud of what they've done? Because I always set myself something, uh, uh, I set myself one of those, uh, ch those high goals and yeah. then I go for, I'll have one in the mid and, and one in the, the end, and I'll, I'll tick them off as I go. But you're, you're always aiming for, for, for certain things, so what would, what's that look like for you? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to answer as well, because um, it's, it's sort of, to scale the business is just a never-ending thing. So it's, it's just so many projects, and co collectively it's an important thing. But on an individual project by project basis, it doesn't mean much. Yeah. But once you've got a collective weight of them under your belt, or the organisation's got them under the belt, it starts to mean something special. So it's really hard to put one out there and highlight it as something particularly special. Mm. Um, because they're all relatively small in the scheme of things. Because we've got geocodes which yeah. go on for hundreds of, of lines. Mm. And then it's a question of firstly looking at those and saying, well, we need to club together certain things like we did with, with Wink, mm. uh, with the nappies and wipes, consumable, stationary, first aid, maybe some cleaning supplies as mm. well. And then, don't get me wrong, that was a fabulous procurement. Mm. We, we, you know, we've ended up in, and I think we all agree, in a great position in mm. regard to what happened there. Mm. But it was just one of a number of those that, that we've done on that journey. Mm. There is a really interesting one, though, that might just get the, the ticket, but it's not been done yet. Mm. But 
it, it concerns voice and data technology. And mm. it always comes back to technology because mm. in the end, these are the areas where, in, in a way, the improvements are greatest. And improvements, yeah. it's not just about, when I talk about improvement, it's about quality improvement, service improvement, and obviously cost improvement. Mm. And in this particular instance, we have got, uh, let's say, uh, a voice and data network in the company that's far from ideal mm. um, and it's very very costly we talk about residential data you know you mm. can get a plan for 79 dollars well our, ours each site's up well over a thousand bucks and when you first look at it you think it just doesn't make any sense and i still think it doesn't but mm. you know so we're going from that down to something halfway between uh, what you pay residentially and what you would pay um so uh, sort of like business. a VoIP, uh, voice over inter, internet yeah, type of... Yeah, basically that and also all the, the data requirements and mm. the ability to make phone calls and all of those things. So we're talking about over $50,000 a month saving mm. by using something through the cloud, mm. which we can monitor here mm. um, very easily through a portal. Mm. And obviously with our supply partners as well, because we mm. can't do all the carriage or any yeah. of that. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference. It's like a, a leapfrog of a complete leap, better capability than what we've currently got in place. So yeah. that if, if, when the time comes, which would be early in the new year, mm. would be um, you know, a fabulous achievement yeah. for, for all of us to have been able to, you know, get through that yeah that's that's yeah look technology is is moving so fast and it cuts down a lot of the uh the the cost as far as you know people uh makes things more efficient it's just having the right fit because there's a lot of things out there but they don't fit the 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 box they they, they're out of the box but they're way out of the box and they don't fit and suit um the 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 way the organization operates so I, i get that totally um What's uh, what do you see as a um, uh, a key a key key part to a relationship in in, in um, your procurement role and, and and just working just generally it's that communication piece is the important piece I would suggest and uh, what are the what are the things that you see as a, a key thing that drives the partnerships has made all your partnerships work with your suppliers yeah I think I think the best way to sum that up is the company would have stayed a small company had it not gone into partnership with various different entities in the first place. So mm. the decision he made initially was to go in with private equity to keep the thing growing. Yeah. Otherwise, had that not happened, someone would have ended up buying his business back then. Yeah. And it's a question of somehow utilising that way of thinking on a monthly basis to just keep ahead so you're the one that doesn't get swallowed up. Yeah. And the, the ones that get swallowed up are the ones that don't understand the importance of those supplier relationships. And the yeah. supplier relationships could even be at the banking level. Yeah. What happens if you breach a covenant or these type of things? Yeah. But if you're really good at what you do, they give you a bit of extra time. Yeah. If, if you're really bad at what you do, they, they do what they did at ABC. Yeah. And um, so it's, you know, it's, it's all, comes down fundamentally, if you've got the skill set, mm in your bag to be able to do things and look at things in different ways and innovations and 
that that's that's a good tick but it doesn't mean anything if you can't develop a relationship with that supplier at a much better way than maybe other people even have got a relationship with that same supplier mm. like a classic case it happened you're gonna hate me for bringing this up it mm. happened today mm. um, we still haven't got the invoice from wink yep. and then you know some people think that's great because we might not have to pay it until later yeah. But it's just the particular people in here like to get it on the first or second business day of the month. Yeah. And if that's what she wants, I phone up Glenn and say, we haven't got the invoice which we're trying to pay. You mm. know? And he gets it done. Mm. So, mm. and at the end of the day, he's not going to say no, is he? Because no. we're helping him. So no, it's Glenn, a bit of a give yeah. and take. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And look, on a personal level, because I'm always interested in what's, what's your passion on, a, on a, a personal level and professional? Look, we'll start with the per- personal level. So what's, what, what are you passionate about? At a personal level, I think the key thing would be golf. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, yeah. I, I should be a professional golfer, but I've heard they're highly depressive, so I'm lucky <laughs> that I'm not. Um, and it worries me that they are because all I want to do is be better at golf and if that's the end of armour it's terrible (laughs) (laughs) that's not a a good way to look at things so I'm going to the Australian Open on the weekend oh good I think Glenn will be out there too oh that's good to know so so I'll uh, I'll let him know excellent uh, yeah he's a he's a man that's a bit better at golf oh yeah plays on single single numbers I'm I'm, I'm on high double digits so I'm on double digits (laughs) as well I think I'm more like you than him so that's that would be definitely a passion. I've never considered it a sport, like I've told, yeah. told him in the past, yeah. um, because, you know, a, a real sport I am quite good at. Uh, <laughs> with, oh, I guess with any sort of passion, uh, you love what you do and it doesn't become uh, a sport as such, but just more of a, a thing that you do. It's part of you, who you are and what you, you get enjoyment out of life. Yeah. Uh, I, I must admit, more and more through my years of having brought up kids, um, I'm starting to realise that maybe... Um, I wasn't as good at sports as I, I, I thought I once was because they're, they're quite gifted at all of these things. Yeah. So it's, um, so, but that's nice, you know, to go and watch that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I, I think we all thought we were better than sport. And when I think about my, my years playing rugby league, I thought I was the greatest. But uh, you, you think back now and you look at some of the players that are playing now and you go, well, I, I, I would have struggled. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Completely yeah. agree with you. So really on a personal yeah. front, you know, the challenges for me are to make sure my kids, you know, have the right values and all the rest of it. That's so, good. yeah, it's, it's a struggle, but, you know, we one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'd like to say thanks a lot for your time. I, I, um, I know that we, we covered a fair bit of ground in, in mm. 30 minutes, but um, it's been really good to having a chat. And um, thanks for joining me on Thoughts by Sean uh, podcast. And, and obviously,